Welcome to the Fargo Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Fargo on FX. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 6, titled The Lord of No Mercy. Do you do you know what that refers to, Aaron? The only, the, only, the only thing I could find was references to this very episode. Okay. It feels like, maybe for the first time, don't, don't check me, uh, that Noah Hawley just came up with a wholly original idol, uh, title. No. I mean... Yeah, I, I had the same problem as you. I couldn't find a damn thing about... Yeah. The Lord of no And no Mercy, one was talking so. about it either. Yeah, I saw a thread on Reddit trying to figure it out, but they were completely stumped as well. And, and like anytime, they were like, oh, what about the Bible? Well, no, not really. Right. right. I mean, it could be like it, I wouldn't surprise me if there's a scripture about the Lord of Mercy or no. something like that, and they're they're kind of making an Antichrist uh, joke here or illusion. But I have no evidence to suggest that. Yeah, there's nothing really concrete to point at. So, uh. I don't know who the Lord of No Mercy is. I don't know that if wolf this mask. is like whoever wears the wolf mask becomes the Lord of No Mercy. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing about this whole episode or season. Maybe uh-huh. is that fucking wolf mask? Why does Yuri have a wolf mask? That and that's what was at the end of the episode. Yeah, of last episode. I don't know. Is he I don't know. sneaking around as a wolf? Is that his low profile? I, 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 a man I, with a wolf hat? I don't know. It's pretty broad. Have Peter and the wolf be the theme, and have it actually a guy running around in a wolf mask? Like that's some sure is. That's some late stage Shyamalan type of stuff. Yeah, speaking of that, what'd you think of the episode? I actually really liked it, and okay. I felt felt like um, the death was appropriately shocking because, like, it's not shocking that Ray would die this season, but in the middle of this season, mm-hmm. I felt like this episode represents a huge you know stepping on the gas because also yeah, yeah. the cliffhanger i thought was a very effective too because you've got gloria essentially saying fuck it i'm going all in this investigation at the time where all the perps are there trying to hide a body and and uh cover up a murder yeah uh now she might be stonewalled at the front door mm-hmm. but yeah I, I don't i don't that that that's pretty exciting yeah we've got four episodes left um 10 episodes this season so i think it is about time for them to hit gas i guess and so they did it pretty effectively yeah um the first time through though i thought maybe his death was a little too stupid like i i saw the fargo in this like and that was all i could see i was blinded by the fargo you know it's funny um, because of how of- stupid and pointless and random the death seemed to be and it's my second viewing through i think it was a lot better than that actually Huh. Um, I I didn't because you know I'm I'm first to take offense at a possible fishnado or right. alien coming out of sky, but I feel like slamming a plate glass frame over someone's head, you know, it's it's bad luck, um, but it wouldn't be a crazy coincidence. And also, I liked it because this was something actually caused by a human agent. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an act of God. It wasn't an act of an unfathomable alien intelligence. It was the simmering rivalry of the brothers and the one trying to bury the axe and the hatchet and the other one just refusing to let it be buried and like just being petulant and childish for the sake of it and this thing happened and then even him you know you got to ask like whether ray would even have been dead if he'd have left the glass in but he's so fucking stupid that his brother saying don't do something makes him automatically do the opposite and i mean you know that kind of injury seems like unless it happens on the surgical floor of a well-equipped hospital, you're probably yeah. dead. Yeah, or if you can get the EMTs there like immediately. Yeah, 
like if they're already on the if way. If you had a combat, a, good, a really good combat medic right. uh, within arm's reach of you, you could survive. But once he pulled that glass out, it was it was game over. Like yeah. you could, you literally, literally couldn't save his life, I, I don't think. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, even even though it is a stupid way for Ray to die, it also um, is a completely fitting way for this guy to yes. die. Because we've seen um, him be stupid over the course of this season. We've yeah. seen that... Uh, he's kind of the one keeping this feud alive. And if he Mm. were, he's almost like looking for an excuse for his failure of a life, right? Like he has not done anything with his life. Unlike his brother who has done everything with his life essentially. Um, and is loved and Ray doesn't, you know, apparently doesn't have any friends, um, except for Nikki. And you can see that like he, when, when he tries to get, give the stamp to Ray, uh, Ray doesn't want the stamp, not because he doesn't actually want the stamp, but because the stamp is like this MacGuffin for him, right? It's like this uh, this idea that it's a built in excuse for his life, right? Yeah, he can say, "Well, it was all because I didn't get the stamp." Right. Well, no, Ray. As we pointed out, I think episode one, episode fucking one, we were on top of this. Like, look, Ray, the problem is not that you didn't get the stamp, but you took the Corvette, mm-hmm. which I think it's funny. He just leaves in the snow this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is you just didn't do anything with your life. Right. You you settled for being angry and bitter at the person you perceived to have screwed you out of everything. Right. It was it was almost like his life was this self-fulfilling story. Right. Which ties so nicely into the themes of this show that I think on second watch those are the things I was thinking about instead of oh my god this is a stupid way to kill a character. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I, I totally agree. The fact that it, it seemed he didn't want the stamp. He wanted to always have an excuse for why his life sucks and yeah. why he can blame it for the brother, his brother. And if he had to give up that moral advantage, he would have nothing, um, yeah. which is crazy because I feel like that, you know, uh, he makes a couple decisions here and there. And maybe he could like maybe he'd be on something this bridge. He does have a, you know, a, a attractive girlfriend who's got a little bit of an interesting edge to her. Like there's a lot of things he could have going Assuming you think that Nikki's not just fucking with him, but yeah, um, and it's it's also interesting how him and Nikki kind of trade the idiot ball around. Like, there's been some episodes where I just cannot believe the unfathomable pinheadry of both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but it does seem like maybe when the chips are really down, she has a bit more raw animal survival instinct than he does for sure she's the one that says look you can't just rush in there with a gun to professional thugs without having to play she's the one that kind of spidey sense was most working uh although i thought it was like there's moments of genuine tension like her taking on mimo with a coat hanger Uh, uh-huh. The interrogation of Gloria and Win- Win- Winnie of Varga and Emmett. There was mm-hmm. like some really great tense scenes. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I thought this was a great. This was a great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? Do you have anything that you would like to like have a focus discussion on? Before we get too much further in the episode, just want to let everybody know what's going on at baldmove.com this week. Uh, of course, we've got Better Call Saul and uh, The Leftovers. Uh, we've also got, uh, coming out a little bit later today, Who Won the Week, where we debate about who won the week between Fargo, Better Call Saul, and The Leftovers. Another tough one. Another yeah. real real tough week. Everyone's brought to thunder. Uh, Cecily and I just did a podcast uh, recapping where we're at with Handmaid's Tale and American Gods. It's on the Bald Move TV feed. Uh, we also, next week, will have a, a commission podcast about Twin Peaks, the classic series, not the revival. Right. 
Uh, I've already seen it. Jim hasn't. I'm excited to talk to him about it. Um, and next week we also will have a first run bald movie, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Is this the one that the DC will finally win Jim and I over because they've been sucking <laughs> hind tit in their efforts to to, to go mano a mano with uh, with uh, Marvel, mano a mano on a woman, womano. They're going womano. There's hey, and they if they make it work, it's it's they will have one feather in their cap that they've successfully had a female lead superhero. Marvel doesn't. It's true. Never spun off the Black Widow. Nope. Come on, Marvel. Assuming that Wonder Woman is going to not suck. Um, <laughs> but there, we'll have that out Thursday night. Uh, lots of cool stuff. And another surprise that I can't quite talk about, but it'll be out next week. Stay tuned. Baldmove.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things to talk about. What do you think about the the introduction of this episode with a very, very long focus on these blinds on the front door? I don't know what it was trying to do. I think it was it, – it, it, it doesn't mean anything. It was a device to build audience tension. Like, what the hell? Yeah. What the hell? So when you finally see Ray sitting there building up a, I don't know, a head of steam of rage and, and seeing how bad a Nikki's in shape that, like, you know, it, it's kind of preparing your mind for these things to hit it. And I yeah. feel like no, Holly does a lot of stuff that you might think of as pointless mm-hmm. and just artsy-fartsy, but they are doing something to elicit an emotional state in you that he wants. Yeah, and I think it worked in this scene. Um, and, and you're either down for that ride or you're not. Sure, yeah. And sometimes I I can go either way. Like sometimes at the end of like I don't think it's worth it, and sometimes I think it is. So we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, the, for me, what it did really effectively without showing any characters, because normally when someone tries this, they show a person pacing or or something like that. It, it conveyed the passing of time and also the concern. Um, that Ray had for Nikki, mm-hmm. you know, and the anger that was building, like you said, mm-hmm. um, without ever showing Ray. I mean, it mm-hmm. does eventually show Ray, but you sit there for a full minute or so mm-hmm. on that window as the sun is, you know, coming up in the morning. And you can, once they pan down to Ray, you know, he's been sitting here all night. He's right. been stewing. Exactly. Uh, and I think that was really effective. Uh, now, I thought the introduction of the three stories shortly after this was interesting as well. Yeah. Because you got the Lehman Brother investment bank collapsing, which is an absolutely true story. Yep, uh, everything factually true. You have the World War One started by a man being hungry for a sandwich, which is an embellishment <laughs> and a storification of the essential truth of okay. that day. Yeah. Um. And, uh, the, and then they go to the moon landing being faked, which is just bullshit. Right. I thought. Do you think that was that was deliberate? That you have essentially one hundred percent fact, a a storification of genuine fact, and then a complete fabrication. Absolutely. That this yeah. is like you're supposed to understand that like um, this is essentially a condensed version of the brainwashing that Varga's doing on Emmett. That he is using true truths, partial truths, and fabrications to achieve a particular. Uh, effect in in his targets' minds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Sai's not having it. He's my new like Sai's <laughs> my hero. Like I feel like Sai uh, is the is the good guy. <laughs> Except he's so impotent. Like I, but that's that's a fire. I feel like he's going to be there. That that the vanquishing of something is going to flow through him just yeah. for that because they're setting him up to be this just guy who can't do anything. That's true. 
and he we're going to see him let off his his leash and and it's going to be awesome and impressive or maybe he gets a bullet to the gut i don't know <laughs> right yeah i i mean certainly he's he's refusing to believe that this moon landing is a hoax which i applaud him for but um this is the interesting thing about Varga and and something he does not only in this scene, but something he's been doing throughout the, the season and even later in this episode where he he spins, you know, this tale to Gloria and Winnie, like about who he is, um, you know, both withholding information and also disseminating false information uh, in order to essentially confuse the police, which I'm mm-hmm. glad Gloria doesn't take that bait. Mm-hmm. I love when she just cuts to the crux of the conversation. And she's um, utterly not intimidated by this guy. Either. Yeah. Yeah. And then later on when, you know, Vargas spins the story to Emmett, which I think is both for his benefit and Emmett's benefit um, about Nikki killing mm-hmm. Ray, you know, would you agree with me that this is the first really good use of Carrie Coon this season? Huh? Like, I think she's amazing, but I think what she's been doing this season with what she's been given is kind of like, there's not a super high replacement level actor. Like you could get a lot of different yeah. actors in that role. They get the same thing. Um, because what I think Nora or what I, Jesus, what I think <laughs> Carrie Coon does really, really well is like, have this like steel, like, like, like she's got a vulnerability, but also like a really steely grit underneath it all too. Yeah. And when she kind of like sets her jaw and locks eyes with Varga, uh, and like we'll get back to that. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's like damn, damn. That that's a really good that's a really good use of Coon. Yeah, I agree. Although I do not want her to just be that uh, in her upcoming roles. But I don't think there is like I don't want to be typecast. But right. like Harrison Ford, for example. Mm-hmm. Like you're always looking for the part of the Harrison Ford movie where he's going to get like you know preachy and start pointing his finger and it's like doing Harrison Ford things like everyone brings a certain tool set to it and like it's you don't want to see him being pigeonholed but like to identify like you know Tom Cruise is really good at running fast (laughs) okay and in every movie he's Uh, in there's going to be a scene of him just running phenomenal like he might not even be that fast but he looks like he runs that fast yeah um and I feel like that that's that's what uh Carrie Coon brings to the table when when she's doing something that's like fan like when if she's in a, if she's in a supporting role like you know she was perfectly fine as Ben Affleck's sister in Gone Girl too, hmm. yeah, um, but again like any dozen actors could be in that role and, and be fine. I don't think Doesn't. very many people could be Nora Durst and 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 uh, the leftovers. And maybe at the end of this, not very many people could be uh, you know Gloria Burgle from Fargo. But I right. just thought this is this this is the first performance where I sat up and like goddamn here she she has arrived. Yeah, and it's the essence of what we loved about um, Pat, Patrick, what's his name? Wilson. Uh, Patrick Wilson from last season, right? Is right. This guy who was unintimidated in the face of these horrific and scary things. Yeah, it's it's not that he's not scared or he doesn't, he's like a superhuman. He's an everyman, but he's just not, he's not going to lay down for something that's wrong. He's going to stand up for what's right. Right. Um uh, same thing we liked cool. about Molly Salverson, right? I mean, all go. all three of these these cops have been essentially the Marge Gunderson types. Yes, um, which is very Fargo, very Cohen, and uh, I enjoy still. So, returning to the intro here, where there's Sai and Varga debating about what's best, you know, like doubling a company in three months, um, and it's interesting because I 
I've seen this happen with my own two eyes, like a, fa- a small family-run business that has had this, you know, accountant that's been a family friend, and then they decide to rapidly grow, and they bring in, like, a person that's, like, getting all these loans and very gross, aggressive growth, and here's the thing. What is better? Because you can build a company brick by brick, know every single employee, know everything of uh, every phase of the business, and know it intimately, and and like have that really sense pride of ownership and continuity of leadership. Um, or you can do this, where you double the size of the company, and you're just going to forever lose track of who's who and who's what and who's doing what for you, mm. and make a lot like. It seems like that regardless of what is better morally, ethically, or from a satisfaction, that the money, that that, that slow and steady one's never going to make as much money. It's less efficient, so it's always going to be destroyed by the quick expansion, pump and dump, make a buck and, and flip it kind of business, which is what seems like Vargo wants to do. I mean, yeah, I think it depends on your goal, certainly. It, it's very contextual, right? Like if your goal is to... Um, run a company until the day you die and have it be totally sustainable. I think slow, steady mm-hmm. growth is the way to go. If your idea is, oh, I want to sell this company in five years and uh, retire to the Pacific Islands or something, like mm-hmm. then your your goal should probably be to build it as fast as you can uh, and make it as profitable as possible. You know, so I, I don't think there's like a one size fits all solution. Yeah, but yeah, certainly they have different ideas about how to build it. I think Emmett in the beginning was building that, that family sort of business, right? That small, um, slow, steady growth. And he was looking to expand, but not nearly as rapidly as they are now. Right. Um, but you know, once you're in this situation, I think he's got a point, right? You either jump off the, you either take one foot off the board or both feet. Either way you end up in the water. I think that's, they're already in the water. Well, and also this there's this this line where it's like we're going to make all these loans, we're going to grow, and all by the way, line our pockets as we're doing it too. Mm, like yeah. it's almost like the success or failure of the company is beside the point. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was also like I was doing some research about this Lehman Brothers bank collapsing, right? And one of the big scandals was you know this company was collapsing as the president of the company was personally taking three hundred million dollars out of salary and bonus, right? Like that could – it's not to exaggerate that that's the difference when you're talking about like a billion dollars of debt. That could be the difference between solvency and not. Yeah. So this guy lining his pockets flushed a company that's been around for 150-some years down down the toilet and started a worldwide financial collapse. Um, I thought that was great in the line where – you know, Vargas says, I'm beginning to think finance is more of a hobby with you. Uh, I don't – I mean that seems like a cheap shot. Because this guy, like, you know, is like a shade tree mechanic, and suddenly he's asked to head up a NASCAR team. Right, right. Like that, like the NASCAR engineer goes, "I could be. I think mechanics are more of a hobby." Well, fuck you, dude. It's mm-hmm. like that's not. I was very good at the job I was asked to do, and yeah. maybe I had you know can do other things. That that maybe maybe I can rebuild a transmission or half the cost and save this widow some money and and. All you know how to do is build the biggest, strongest, fastest thing. Like, it, mm. I don't know. It it kind of got me thinking about how we do business in America and how we used to do business in America and how all that stuff is being sacrificed in the face of efficiency and uh, uh, and productivity, which is a good thing because if it wasn't, yeah. then, you know, our economy would stagnate and we'd probably die. But 
there's room to kind of mourn for this stuff in the margins, I thought. Yeah, and it's interesting when you – so some of these lines are hidden. Some of these are not. Um, kind of as Emmett is having his blank out where he's thinking about Ray and all the stuff they've said, uh, in the background you can hear Varga still going off on Psy. Right. And he says, what you think you've built is a parking lot company. What you What we're actually building is a bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the bigger the bank, the safer the banker uh, are a couple of lines. You so need to be too big to fail. Right, right, exactly. So I, I think that's Varga's ultimate goal, right? Make this company so big and so vital um, that somehow they can't fail. But that doesn't apply to parking lot companies. I mean, if right, if you're building a bank, I guess. But if you if your if your business is no longer parking lots, right. parking lots is just a means to the end, which is the souffle of financing and loans and advances. To seems like the parking lot company is the front at this point. You know? Oh, at all, yeah. And, like, but the thing is, is like the dirty this is in. this this is also no mere mo- mo- money mo- money. This yeah. is no mere money money laundering scheme either. Yeah, like that was that's kind of small potatoes thinking compared to what Varga's doing. Uh huh. Um. It's like he's almost like more of a corporate raider, although he also does a lot of like conventional Viking style raiding as well. It seems <laughs> like. Um, so, I also thought it was interesting the the IRS versus Mimo. Yeah. Uh, which, if you don't know, like I don't know how this guy got a name or if it's ever been mentioned, but everyone's naming the 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 Asian gentleman, the guy who's always listened to headphones. His name is Mimo. That's what IMDb says, so I'll yeah. go there. But it's like, I think it's annoying when the re- professional reviewers are referring to this guy by a name that I don't think has ever been uttered on on mm, air. Not that I remember, no. So, um, anyway, did you... So, the, Fargo walks a fine line between being awesome and funny and surprising and too cute for its own good. Sure. The mirror match between Mimo and the IRS agent, what, where did it come down for you? I mean, in my mind, Mimo knows what he's doing here. Uh-huh. He knows that this guy is going to know that adjusting all of this stuff on the desk is not necessarily poking fun at him, but meant to get under his skin somehow. Especially since it's identical. Right. Like, it's totally symmetrical on the table. There are lamps on both sides of the table. You can uh-huh. see the overhead shot. Yeah. Completely the same. Yeah. And this IRS agent just, like, doesn't know what to do. Because this guy, yeah. can, like, after he does that, which, like, I, I, I feel like you're right. It's almost like, is this guy fucking with me? Right. But then he blows him off the stage with a bunch of, like, legal mumbo-jumbo. And I don't know how much of that stuff is real. Um, I don't know whether he's just, like, uh, like is Mimo a talented IRS lawyer i don't know is what he a bullshit is. artist i is have no idea just slide a thick document and say a whole bunch of official statues that makes the IRS like well like i can always come back mm-hmm. but this is the thing like this is all you know because like we've said it before like you never talk to the cops you should always lawyer up but the the the, the flip side of that is that when you do that um you're probably going to provoke a response because yeah. the the officials don't like being treated this way. They don't like it when you uh, like assert your rights and you make them. They do have this the, philosophy of if you have nothing to hide, right? What do you have? Why to fear? are you making my? If you're going to make my yeah. job hard, then guess what? In yeah. um, in the result, the you know whether you're guilty or in, especially if you're innocent, it's always better to do everything correctly. Yeah, but you know, uh, I I just thought I I just thought like. This seems like a triumphant moment, but 
this guy could come back in 30 days with the proper letters, with the proper people identified, with the proper documents, and yeah. and and uh, you know blow blow a hole through all this. Now Vargas seems supremely comfortable that like, look, I could give this guy the fucking accounts yeah. that I'm working with, and he would not be able to unravel the web of. I forget shell, how the shell he, game. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's the the this guy's dialogue is. I love listening to him talk. Yeah, like no, I, I don't even remember the exact. I, it's it's more of like the cadence and flow. Mm-hmm. It's like when you listen to uh, like a really good rapper when the first time you you don't get every word. It's just kind of like, oh god damn, this flow is good. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and this guy is is got a really good flow. It's like a laid back West Coast Snoop Dogg. 90s style of delivery and i just i just love it i eat it up yeah now i did think it was maybe so i I don't think he knows this at the time but i think it's maybe a mistake on his part to get involved with the gloria stuff uh when once he walks in this room he's now on their radar or is the phantom right he will not be able to take down and, and i i don't see any like real surprise on his face when he goes to look her up and he can't find anything at all. It's more like, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Right. So I, I don't know if he's intimidated at all or thinks, whoops, I may have stepped in it here. But it's almost I, like I mean, how could he, right? She's a just a local police It's almost an irresistible chief. draw to a novelty. Yeah, yeah. And. Yeah, he's like looking at it. Oh, how quaint. You know? the, the real problem is they showed Grandpa dumb fuck. Yeah doing a shitty Google search. This guy has got, like, CIA, MI5, Mossad-type resources, I suspect. Uh-huh. What the fuck is he doing Googling? Glo- I mean, that's... Is that just something that Fargo's going to get away with in lieu of some kind of bullshit, super sophisticated hacking stuff? Or I guess. I mean, the, that's the place it, I would start, I suppose. I saw a lot but... of people have problem. We got some feedback on it. It... I, I saw it, and I'm like, oh, give me a break. But I'm like, man, mm-hmm. do I really want to see five minutes of him pouring through a whole bunch of monochromatic code screens and looking up a bunch of microfish? And n- No, not really. Yeah, I, I mean, this may be the tip of the iceberg as far as his search for Gloria, for <laughs> yeah, information on Gloria. Because, uh-huh. I mean, Google's not a bad place to start immediately, right? Get, right. get on Facebook, see what it angles there are to like exploit. Now he's like, go, pick a, go find these files from the police department. Yeah, now, now so he's like, for them. But still, that does seem like the the alpha and omega of his internet searching. Yeah, might be. I, I was fine with it just because the I, I'm really not interested in his. I, I think that's the thing. Like, it's kind of like Star Wars. Han Solo jumps across the galaxy with a hyperdrive. How does it work? Yeah. Do you really want a Star Wars popular mechanics fit lecture for 15 minutes going into the physics of it and how or do you just want to see him space buckling? yeah honestly i would have been okay if they this google search is the hyperdrive of, of fargo right now yeah but i i mean maybe like they never even attempt to explain how a hyperdrive would work just that it does work like mm-hmm. maybe he could have you know rung up yuri and said hey yuri find out information on this glory oh, and then you're and then he back comes later, back and says there's this pause there's there's nothing what do you mean nothing yeah I mean, literally nothing. nothing there's no electronic records she doesn't exist yeah which that's stupid which, like aren't birth <laughs> records and stuff online i have no idea i'm sure they are like because it seems like lately She's if you search for your name well. you're going to get like 10 different companies that they will not have the information but they'll say they have the information for 20 bucks you can get like her birth record right her current address or I mean, she's got a phone. Like, give me, give me a fucking break. Some of this stuff is a bit much, but it's kind of Fargo-y, so I'm allowing it. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about 
Varga picking his teeth. Uh, no, I don't want to ever think about that again. <laughs> I couldn't. Disgusting. The first time I couldn't watch it. Yeah, like, I literally had to walk because that's like Marathon Man. Uh, there was a scene uh, that really uh, retracted my balls in A Cure for Wellness this year. Oh yeah, yeah. Any kind of dental pain just really sets my teeth on <laughs> edge, and that was just like the sec. I made myself watch it. Just so I could have, but it's the it's the worst fucking thing. It really, yeah. I it ew, it's bad. It's as bad as watching that guy drown in the season one of Fargo. <laughs> like so, like you know Noah Hawley. I guess. Can you imagine filming that? Uh, no, I I literally don't even want to think about okay. it. It's so disgusting. Are they going? So I'm repulsive. worried that they're going to they're going to keep up in the ante on this. They stuff. might. I mean, they already had him vomiting. Oh, it's so bad. Like, it is so bad. And also, leftovers. Better call Saul. You don't need to top this one. <laughs> right. All right. Leave people's yeah. fucking teeth alone. All right. Can we all agree to that? That's the thing. It is effective, though, right? Like it's mm. defining this character in a it lot of ways. It makes him me. monstrous yeah. and and hideous and in in as effective as like a xenomorph or a predator. Yeah. Like you look at that face doing that, and you're like, no, thank you, no, <laughs> thank you. Um. So the other thing I want to talk about, we talked about how last week we didn't get Nikki's beating. Yeah. It's like it seems like they studiously beat her to avoid making her face look fucked up, um, and like they they meant to beat her to death, but they didn't. Did you get the opinion that maybe they were b- deliberately doing this beating to the body to set this long term motion of framing Ray to make make? I mean, I don't think that they intended it to go into effect this quickly. But uh, as quickly as Varga pivoted into the oh no, she's 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 been trapped with this boyfriend who beats her. Always being careful not to touch her face or leave a bruise in place. And and you just had to see the full scale of how badly she was beat. Like I I, I started to wonder if they had this in mind since last last episode. Yeah, I mean the problem for me is it maybe it just happened too fast. Um, maybe there wasn't enough build up to the point where she gets beat. Um, but I, I very much felt like this was an ad hoc explanation for Ray's death that that Varga came up with on the spot. I did not feel like it was planted. But the only way in which that beating of Nikki makes really any sense to me is if they had planned it. So I don't know how to reconcile those two feelings I have on those scenes. Right. Um. Like I, really, I just can't explain the Nikki beating any other way. So maybe you're right. Maybe they did have this as part of a plan. I, the first time I watched that, I just remember shown. thinking, like, this dawning horror of, like, oh, wow, these guys are, like, really three, four steps ahead. Because when Varga asked him two episodes ago, is your brother Ray going to be a problem? Emmett's like, oh, no. Oh. I don't think Varga was convinced. So it would make sense for him to immediately start coming up with a plot to preferably – Take all of Psy and Ray and Nikki and just completely sideline them mm-hmm. and framing them for murder and having them locked up and, and and maybe killing one of them would would be would suit his interest. And now that he's got Emmett doing it himself, because now he's got Emmett even more under his control. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess my question would be, what's the plan for Nikki now? Because. Okay, okay, let's say you kill her, right? They clearly want to kill her. Yeah. Um, they were going I don't think they want to, to do now, though. They would have... Right, so they would have this episode if not for the accident with Ray. Um, if you kill her and the cops find her body, you're, I don't think your story about the murderer holds holds up. 
honestly. Because who? Why? Why like kill Nikki? Could, so I feel like you could stage a murder at that ho- or anywhere really. Once you've got Nikki's body beat up like that, you have, uh, you know, she's she's on because she's kind of on death's door, like raised several times, saying you should um, go to the hospital. Like I feel like Mimo could show up, shoot Ray, strangle Nikki. And then put the gun in Nikki's hand, and the cops show up and like, oh, this was just the the the, the last domestic struggle until she shot him, but she was overcome by her wounds, or she, you know, as he was choking her, I, you know, what I'm saying like it feels like that would be a pretty easy narrative to set up. Okay, but how do you how do you reconcile the fact that she's not at the house? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm just saying like what if what I think Mimo would have done. If he tailed them both to the to the hotel, oh, they okay. stayed there. But well, as it stands now, I don't think the story works very well because somebody killed Nikki. And I mean, you could well, they're, but they're fr- but they're wait, wait, wait. Someone killed Ray. You mean no, no. So here's what I mean: okay. if if you're selling the story with Nikki that she killed Ray because uh-huh. um, he was beating her, uh-huh. and then she left, and then she turns up dead. Oh who, no! Yeah, I think Nikki? I think I think now they're going to wait for the cops. And that's and that's that's a smart move because at this point the only hope that Nikki has is to go to the cops. She's kind of in the same problem that that like Ed and Peggy were last season. Where like is she going to do? It, is she going to be smart and you know go with the cops and live, or is she going to try to essentially have her cake and eat it free and get out of this? Because there is, I don't think there's any windows where she just gets out of here scot-free. Yeah. She's on probation. She's in up to her eyeballs and all this bullshit. They're going to try to frame her for murder. Her best hope is to go and cooperate with the police. But uh, that's not very Fargo. Yeah, I get the sense that that story isn't even necessarily the story that Varga wants to stick um, with the police. I think he's more telling it for Emmett's sake. Oh, really? Honestly, to try and... Try and keep Emmett from doing anything Cause, stupid. Because the question, because he's answering, yes, I mean, there's certainly that audience, the Emmett's there, but he's answering a question to Yuri because Yuri's like, you know, dispose of the bodies and clean up, and he's like, no, don't. Mm-hmm. And so then he goes on to this framing thing. So it's as much for Yuri's edification as it is for Emmett's. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, but the dual purpose there is he needs to somehow get Emmett's mind. Um, a little bit clearer of this mm. thing because Emmett certainly has to feel guilty about all this at the moment. Oh yeah, um, but he needs Emmett in the game, right? He can't he can't have Emmett go off and do anything stupid. So he's trying to ease his mind a little bit by spinning what is clearly a false story, but maybe one that Emmett will repeat to himself enough to where he believes it a little bit. Right, and he's giving him good advice about how to meet with Sai to establish an alibi, and yeah, I did like the Bonnie and Clyde angle, and that I kind of. Am- what did you think when Ray – let's talk about our thoughts about Ray actually dying. Okay. Because uh, I was just shocked. Like, it seemed like they were just struggling. There's going to be another one of these, you know, uh, really great moments of how are they going to have Ewan McGregor fighting with himself. And then the glass is sticking out of his neck and he's dying. And I thought it was particularly effective, him dying and saying his brother's name as he does it. And Emmett's just sitting there staring. Yeah. Um, I was really bummed out because I was starting to get into the whole Ray and Nikki, and I was like, oh, that'd be kind of interesting if, like, you know, they're this really odd couple kind of, like, vengeance tale, and and maybe he, maybe I can see Ray armed with enough information and a gun getting a drop on Yuri and Mimo, and, and then, like, by the end of the episode, that that's gone. That's yep. never going to happen. <laughs> what did you think about it? Uh, about his actual death? I mean, as I'm, a character, like I thought, Ray, I thought the Emmett brothers are a really cool character, and one of yeah, the things yeah. that made them a cool character is 
kind of the 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 brother nature and the fact that Ewan was playing them both. I'm yeah. kind of bummed that the character is dead for a lot of reasons. I just want to see what you thought about it. Well, I mean the the exciting part about it is you know, the ga- the gas pedal that it steps on, right? Yep. Like this is going to escalate. Um, yeah. And now you've got, I'll say, a very vulnerable Nikki who's going to be exceptionally pissed. And I think of the two, of Ray and Nikki, Nikki is the more interesting and capable character. So if either one of them was going to survive and go on a vengeance streak, I think it's her. Huh. That's the one I want to see. All right. Um, now, I, I do agree, like, losing the, the brother angle sucks because mm-hmm. that was one of the more interesting parts of this show for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm also curious to see how Emmett reacts to it because this could be the thing that kicks Emmett out of his low gear, um, you know, the gear where he's just willing to go along with Varga, uh-huh. and perhaps he says, you know what, it's time for me to fight back. Or it might make him go even more committed to this evil course. Yeah, Like this is the, this like, I've lost right, my wife. Right, this is why it's interesting. I've lost my best business friend. I've lost my brother. Fuck it, I'm going to be, I'm going to go all in on this evil globalist magnate business thing. Yeah, it could. Um, but I like, because like, you know, like... <laughs> That scene, oh, speaking of 10 scenes, that scene that lasted several minutes of Ray and Nikki hiding from Gloria and Winnie, uh-huh. paying them a visit, I thought that was so good. And then his, his like, the heat's on, babe, we better blow. Uh, as he's grabbing his gun, I thought that was really funny. Um, so I, like I said, I my bum, my being bummed that this character is dead is outweighed probably by the excitement of the what this does to the story and what it tells about how the velocity of the story going forward. Yeah, what it could do. I think yeah. it has a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, I also thought it was hilarious that Ray couldn't even find the gun for a while. He's looking for his ammo. He's looking it's for his like gun. It's in like the junk drawer. Yeah. Jesus Christ. This is how kids blow their heads off in this country. Right. No proper storage. Looking for a, a deli sandwich. Yeah. And I'm wanting a cheese slicer and I end up blowing my head off. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, I also like the, the some of the speechifying was going on between Emmett that him, you know, this like there's a certain madness in brotherhood and like pushing yeah. each other's butt. Like I don't. I don't uh, relate because yeah. I I had a a, a a pretty good relationship with my brother till the religion thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I certainly can think fondly back as now as when we were children of how much we got on each other's nerves. But this 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 feud that lasted, I, I don't I don't relate. But I thought it was interesting how Emmett is almost normalizing this he's like well maybe it's just a madness and that's common to brothers like no no this is really unusual shit man yeah uh but i i I liked some of the speechifying he got to do in that scene and there was i mean did you think he was a little high and mighty if he was really wanting to bury the hatchet like he essentially starts up his version of the argument and then ray is like well if you're going to say that then i'm going to say this and then Emmett's like oh not enough like if i was ray be like fuck you you're going to give me the little kid irresponsible speech. I want to give you the fuck and fuck suck my dick kind of speech. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, if this is a conversation they've had, what, dozens of times over 20 years, then maybe I could see, like, I let's derail this thing. I don't want to go down this road again because we know where it leads. Maybe mm-hmm. derail it and try and find some other solution, um, some other avenue for this conversation to happen through. But, yeah, I, I mean, I could certainly see why Ray would... Uh, read it that way. The Emmett calling Varga was very reminiscent of season one. Um, Lester calling uh, Malvo. Mm, yeah. 
And I also liked the tie-in to the Big Lebowski because they had this <laughs> linen. Which linen are you talking about? Joke. Yep, Vi linen. Uh huh. Not, not uh, in this case, the not the walrus. No. Uh, and they had this speech, which is a real, I guess, a real quote attributed to Lennon about uh, Beethoven's um, the music of Beethoven. How man, it, this guy just seems like a sad motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like he he acknowledges that there's beauty in a world that he views as a foul hell, and he beats back those ideas. What's more like in favor of well, but, but if you listen to the whole, it's like it makes you want to say kind. It it makes you feel like the world's beautiful, even though it's not, and it makes you want to say kind things and stroke their head. But really, it'd be better just to bat like they're not being realistic. They're they're right. essentially distracting people from the real struggle. Right, but You're- what if everyone was those <laughs> nice people who wanted to yeah, make uh-huh. beautiful things, you uh-huh. fucker, uh-huh. and you didn't beat them over the head and you let them proliferate. Well, that's the problem with people and their worldviews. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're not exactly flexible and, and responsive to change uh, uh, in, in the, with thoughts and ideas. Um, interesting for a guy who led a revolution. Um, anything else? Like, did I, I was convinced that Nikki was going to whip Mimo's ass somehow with that coat hanger. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't see, like, one when, when Ray died, I'm like, well, there's no way Nikki dies. And I don't know how. It's super improbable. But uh, she's going to – he's going to, like, clumsily trip and, like, jab his nose on that pointy thing. And it's going to go right <laughs> in his brain. And that's going to be it. Uh-huh. But then Mimo, Mimo lives to uh, evade taxes another day. Yeah, and uh, he potentially escaped a room with zero exits. Now there's a window in there. Yeah, I mean after the first um, Fargo, that's how Macy was trying to escape. I thought they were Macy. Yeah, William H. Macy. Uh Jerry oh, okay. he was trying to escape out the back window. Right, and we saw in season one Malvo who escaped from essentially a sealed basement. Right. Um another place with potentially no exits. Uh now this one I thought was interesting because it's filmed in a way to make you think that he must have gone out that window, but I think in actuality he went out the front door. It could be because he also just, the, the time timing is the, is played with. It's very yeah, it's very very unclear because she could have been sneaking into an, uh, a hotel room that was abandoned, you know, two minutes ago. We don't we don't really know. Right. And the reason I say that is because the door the door the, the door? door is a little ajar, uh-huh. uh, more ajar than Mimo left it when he went in. Right. Implying that he might have gone out. Was the door ajar? Period. When she went out to get her ice, did she leave the yeah. door ajar? Okay. Yeah, she put the like. The the sliding okay. hinged lock so. yeah, yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah, that, that, that old trick. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, what else we want to talk about? Oh, I thought, uh, what do you think of the cliffhanger? Because I thought Gloria kind of thinking and pondering. It was very similar to the way Emmett was thinking and pondering early in the episode. She's got these voices around her head. But when they when she calls the police and says, coordinate, we'll have Minnie, Winnie meet me there, and they... I mean, I've rarely heard more awesome, like, exciting Fargo music. Like, it, it felt really epic, her turning back to go do huh. battle with the forces of evil. I really like that. Yeah, I'm excited to see what she does. It's also a short episode by Fargo standards, like, four, 43 minutes. I was kind of it shocked when it like faded it. to black. I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah. I don't know. I kind of prefer them to keep it that way rather than, than go super long with them. Um <laughs> But no, I I I really really made me want to see the next episode uh, immediately after this one was over. Yeah, I'm also curious what Nikki's next move is going to be because once she finds out that Ray's dead, she's going to be pissed. But also, she's got no advantages. She's she's 
currently on parole. Uh-huh. So everything that she would do that would be smart, like just take off and vacate, is going to violate those terms. Right. Uh, I, she, you know, clearly Ray's not her parole officer anymore, so she's going to have to report to some jackass. Uh-huh. She can't go to the cops because she's about to be the suspect in a murder investigation. I, I, I she's also beat to hell. Like yeah. she's she's in a very poor physical condition. Like I, I don't know, mate. What do you think? What do you think the odds are that she just gets cleaned up? Uh, I think they're pretty low. I, I do too. I don't but... think she's going to get killed. So the one advantage she does have, mm-hmm. she has all this shit figured out. She kind of read into this, this right. meeting with Yuri and Mimo uh, and Sai. She's got the to lone the point sh- where she knows the exact the exact situation here. Yeah, she has. A, she knows all of the the hows and whats and not the why. But a person like yeah. that would be very useful for Gloria to talk to. I would think so. Yeah, and she's likely to have a meeting with the police pretty uh-huh. soon. <laughs> Why do you say that? Uh, because she's about to be a murder suspect. <laughs> I guess I, I just feel like that she's going to have to try to get away. Yeah, um, but I don't because she doesn't even have a car at this point, does she? Ray um, took her car back right. to the house. Right. So she's got no transportation, no money, no money. She's beat to hell. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's a great kind of <laughs> painting a character into a corner and seeing how she's going to fight her way out. But it's it's very hard for me to see how this ends well for her. But I can't see her running either because. Of the injustice that happened with Ray, right? Right. I mean, right. she's, you know, we know it's an accident, but she doesn't. Right. And she hates, she's always, it seems like she's hated Ray or Emmett more than Ray did. Because Ray of ways, had a lot yeah. of that brotherly affection and was trying to kind of keep him held back where she just sees this person taking advantage of her man. You're still convinced that she was yeah. in love with him? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I did too. I got some some people in email saying that they were surprised to hear us say that. So <laughs> okay. it's not a universal opinion that she's true blue for Ray at this point. Well, that's about all I've got. So yeah, I think so. I feel like I've, get... they're maybe leaving one thing on the table, but we also got some feedback to discuss too. So okay. Uh, before we get to feedback, I want to have a plug for the club, the club.baldmove.com. And uh, you might ask yourself, why should I sign up for the club? And I say, well, number one, you support independent podcasting, and that's true. But you also got a lot of premium features, and I've always struggled to articulate what the lunch with Jim and Aaron is or our Friday show. I call it a variety show. I call it like Q and a mm. show. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's by far, it seems like the club members favorite feature, but it, it literally is us talking about whatever is on our mind and whatever's on the audience mind. Now, last week I did this thing where I've been watching a lot of Hulu and a lot of FX now and a lot of AMC, uh, app stuff and it's all ad supported right mm-hmm. but they're not not you'll get to your acras and you'll get your lincoln commercials but they also have some really weird drug and off-brand food and clo- all kinds of weird advertising and i've been doing this segment on lunches where i take one of those crazy commercials this week is for a drug called movantic which treats opioid induced constipation <laughs> And it's 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 a trip, and Jim and I break through this. We we break the commercial down scene by scene, like a like a like you know any any bald move podcast. Yeah, and full we actually, recap. We have a full recap. <laughs> we actually have a snippet of that conversation at the end of this podcast. There are no spoilers at the end of this podcast, so you can you can uh, once once you're done, either stick around and enjoy that, or uh, you can just fast forward to it if you don't like to listen to feedback. Um, and also, if if that can see a little bit hooked, but the hook isn't quite set. Uh, you can get a free 30-day trial just by signing up so you can test drive all the content. Check it out, club.baldmove.com. 
feedback, of course, you can always send this to Fargo at baldmove.com or get in on our forums, forums at baldmove.com. David H. says, I don't believe Varga's practice of binging and purging food has anything to do with bulimia, as that's more of a body dysmorphic order disorder, which, as you pointed out, does not he does not seem to care about what he looks like. When I saw him doing it, it reminded me of something my history teacher told me in middle school. I can't remember the name of the king, which would be helpful right now. But either way, the story goes that this gluttonous king would have huge feasts and would enjoy eating so much that he would have a bucket near him in which to throw up in order to gorge himself for longer. Yeah. So it's more of a power or appetite thing. Um, I don't know clinically what bulimia means. Like if it has to have a body dysmorphic. Um, right. We know that part of this is because he doesn't want to be fat. So he does care about what he looks like. He does, it's not the conventional, like, <sighs> you know... I don't look good. He doesn't care about that. Yeah, like, I'm looking at Cosmo, and why can't I look like that? It's But it is about his appearance. It is, yeah. But it also is about the appetite and... And, and power and, and the sit, like, greed and, yeah. It's funny, because he calls, like, he's talking about size, fat wife being a sensualist, and he's also reveling in the feeling of this fucking metal pick in his teeth. <laughs> Uh-huh. There's something there's there's some kind of the commonality there too that um the thing that he the thing that he's disgusted and judgment is the stuff that he suffers from too. Yeah. Um, like, like or potentially he's not disgusted by any of it and it's a story he's telling Sai. <laughs> right? Very very true too. Misinformation. Um but I don't know like I don't get the idea that he enjoys creature comfort cuz we we see him listening to Beethoven and just laying on a steel floor. Uh-huh. And and the the if you guys haven't realized yet, that's his truck. He's sleeping in in the parking lot. Almost like his back went out or something, right? Like yeah, that's the the position you get in when you just literally can't get comfortable any other way. Right. You either hang upside down, yeah, or or you you lay flat on a very unyielding surface. I don't know why that feels because I've never had my back that far out that yeah, that either. laying on a flat floor would be comfortable. But <laughs> right, I've known a guy who whose back was that badly hurt. Anyway. Huh. So like I said, I don't know if it would be psychologically dis, you know, like if like bulimia is the, ta- the 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 correct word, but it seemed like everybody was using it. So, uh, Reddit has dubbed him the vomit goblin. Vomit goblin? Yeah. Why? Why the? I uh, get the vomit. I get uh, the vomit totally. Why the goblin? Uh, just I think as it's kind of like a vomit goblin kind I mean, it's of. A it's a nice, nice round. Has a ring to it. Sad, it's it's fun yeah. to say. Sure. Sawtooth, like the full is the sawtooth vomit goblin, vomit goblin. <laughs> so maybe wow. we'll have to go with that. Yeah, uh, Mark W. Um, I don't think Maurice killed Ennis either. And he he he, he, he this was from last week. He sends in something that I don't think holds weight uh, anymore. In light of and, and, and new shit has come to light, and that shit kind of disproves his theory. But he did have a follow on observation. The guy in the gas station did not ad- identify Maurice, but rather. Uh, a Russian guy or something to that effect. Maurice stops in and steals the phone book page, perhaps followed by goons that come in and ask what he did. Thus, you get the Russian guy. So he's saying that, like, because I said that this is mistaken identity thing is this guy walked in with Russia is for lover shirt, and the guy just assumed that he was a Russian, you know, a Russian. Mm-hmm. But now that we've gotten further in the season, if I think about that, it's also equally plausible that he's talking about Yuri, who's an actual Russian. Because I still do not believe that Maurice would glue this guy's n- uh, mouth and nose shut. But we know for a fact that Maurice is the one who pulled the page out of that phone book. Yes. We know for a fact. We saw it. Yes. Um, so you're suggesting that maybe Yuri also came by right. and that this guy assumed when they were talking about and, shady and figures. And again, 
thinking back everything we know about the season, that would really play into the mistaken identity angle yeah. oh well and it would explain why the extreme violent crazy psychopath behavior out of the guy who was high out of his mind yeah i suppose it's possible because the other thing is like when i i would i i want to play back that first episode because maurice came back and he's he didn't have the stamp but he also wasn't acting like he murdered the guy I'm trying to think of like mm, how he I described the things going sideways or how how fucked up it was getting, but I, I don't know. Hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting though. Um, Josh F. Speaking of the topic of fuck being thrown around in FX programming, if you ever get around to watching season one of Taboo on FX, your ears will be treated to the sounds of Jonathan Price angrily dropping every form of the f bomb in each episode. <laughs> it is both a surprise and delight. They seemed to let them do whatever they wanted to the point it felt like an HBO performance at times, especially because there were so many Game of Thrones graduates in the cast. Most importantly, it didn't scare away advertisers, which has long been the fear. I think it's that's kind of cool. So we went through this last year, and we decided that the FCC has has no jurisdiction over broadcast or over cable. cable. Yeah. So we kind of came to like, what's well, the? It's the fear of putting off advertisers. If if it's true that FX is is having these award winning, highly rated shows like OJ Simpson, I don't know how Taboo does. Fargo's not burning up the ratings, but it does all right for FX. I'm I'm kind of excited because you know, obviously, I swear a lot. Uh, I think a lot of Americans swear. I certainly think criminals and and people in those type of environments do as well. Mm-hmm. And it just. I just feel like it's it. Anytime I see a character who would absolutely say fuck or shit or whatever, and they come up with a gosh gee golly whiz freaking this, yeah, it just takes me out of the moment. Unless it's in it, Fargo, it's, it's like literally seeing like Superman flying and you can see his wires, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Fargo is a great. Although that's the funny thing <laughs> where is the like, bad you, guys say you, "Golly gee," you knew it was real bad when the brothers were dropping f bombs at each other right. over the phone. Like that, like everything you know about this whole Fargo situation. <laughs> let's that, that. So it's like, yeah, yeah. This is the biggest fight that was ever had in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is going to be told. This is going to be you know, discussed in military uh, 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 universities. Um, but I. I am excited because I, you know, it's not that I like hearing people swear, um, but I do feel like when it's natural, it it it's it's better. It's more it's more adult and it's For sure. more engaging to have characters that you know would talk this way talk that way. Is it the one with Tom Hardy at the the helm of that? Not the helm, I believe but so. Yeah, is the lead? He's in it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Barry C. from the UK. I think the glass in the throat was this season's fishnade or a UFO, even though it's the statistically more likely of the three. That's totally what I thought the first time I saw it. It seemed forced out of place and unrealistic. What reason do you think we had... Uh, wait, what reason do you think we had Ray kill his brother by accident, given... I think he means Emmett. Given Varga had sent his guy to do the exact same thing at the same time. I can only assume it was a plot device to make sure Nikki survived and or took the fall, which wasn't... Uh, which wouldn't have happened had the hitmen done their jobs. Um, I, I mean, so you thought it that way at first, but then you changed your mind. Did you yeah. articulate why you changed your mind? Yeah, because I think it makes a lot of sense for that character. It, it says so much about Ray that he 
turns down the stamp yeah. in the end, and that eventually kills him. Like, and Emmett didn't like. It's not like he even smashed it over his head. He pushed yeah. it, and you know, it, it's literally an accident. And as you say, it's statistically more likely of the three. Um, I'm just I'm surprised to hear because it never seemed that way to me. Mm-hmm. At no point did I question whether this is bullshit. The first time I was just so shocked, I didn't even think to call bullshit, and then. I watched this. I ended up watching this three times, and I the third one especially. I was looking, and I rewind a couple times to see the actual stunt work, and I thought, you know, it was pretty convincing. It wasn't that Emmett was like Hulk smash. It wasn't mm-hmm. that Ray was like trying her headbutt it. It was just like you know he's pushing it to his brother, and his brother trying to smack it away, and yeah. that's what happened. So, and again, I feel like I'm the authority on. Uh, being irrationally offended by free coincidences. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what that makes you feel, Barry, when I'm like, hey, man, I'm the authority and I say it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's I, – I felt like it was cool. Uh, also, going back to my glory is great but ineffective email from last week, Nikki worked out that Emmett had been the loan shark. I have a feeling she may be vital in solving the case on Glory's behalf. Yeah. Interesting. As we – Great but ineffective. You know, kind of talked, talked about briefly. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like her and Winnie doing all right, though. Yeah, I, like I think how, Gloria... How in the hell would they suspect that there's this multinational front involved in this corporation at this point? They're, the, right. the, the actual nitty-gritty of the crime, they're they're rapidly uh, unraveling. That's the thing. And if they would have been onto it from the very jump, mm-hmm. I think maybe that would have been too incredible for mm-hmm. me. Uh, but the fact that, you know, they've unraveled, they've pulled at threads until things have unraveled for them, and now they're they're on the tail. I have you know? a feeling that this way the season's going to go is the Stussy Brothers parking lots are is going to go up in flames, and maybe Yuri and or Mimo will die. Maybe a couple other people will die, but you're going to see VM Vargas black semi heading down the 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 highway yeah. towards the sunset. Could be towards North Korea where it's safer. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lucas. I'd like to comment that Fargo continues to disappoint with the shown internet search engines. A few weeks later, VM Varga yielded one result. This week's Gloria Burgle, no results. Seriously? He mm-hmm. goes on about how this isn't how search engines work. He even went and, and uh, broke down the tabs and how they switched what search was doing this and what doing that. We know. It switched from Google.com to Google.ca at one point, which I thought might show him actually using can you know like trying to go to canada right instead and to get different search results um i i mean i just if it's going to ruin your fargo experience and it's going to ruin your fargo experience i instantly felt that instinct creeping up on me because i'm in i you know was formerly in it and i'm like none of this is not how this works is not how any of this works but like i just decided to treat it like hyperdrive yeah. Or like turbo lasers. Who the fuck knows? This is just this is just it. Um Matt from Philly. I found myself incredibly shocked and bummed about the death of Ray, but looking back, his character's been nothing but a scoundrel. Even his death was a result of him being an asshole one last time to Emmett by pushing back the stamp just because the wording Emmett used as he gave it to him. I mm, Okay. I I don't agree that that's the whole reason, but that's some of it. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, why he pushes back that stamp. I don't think it's about the wording there. Well, I, I think do it's about think that... Ray's unwillingness to relinquish a lifetime of of anger toward his brother. I, I do think if Emmett had Jealousy. not have made it seem like 
whatever. I'm giving this. This is a gift of mercy to just get you off my back. I don't like if he had been like more. You're right. I just I don't want to fight it. I I don't know. I feel like there is a version of Emmett that it could give in this stamp to a version of Ray, and <laughs> they would have hugged it out, and that have been then that would have been that. Yeah. Just kind of like the – this was the opposite of them sitting in front of his house in the snow talking. Sure. Like that was yeah. – they, they they accidentally kind of reconciled this. They accidentally killed Ray. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of daylight between those two positions. But I feel like that was on the table still. Because there's even little things like, you know, when Ray found out that his wife left him. That clearly bothered Ray. Yeah. Before he retreated back to like, well, you know, serves, serves you good. You reap what you sow. Uh, he continues, Glory is the real hero of the series, but I still find myself rooting for Ray, or found myself rooting for Ray to get some kind of success in his life and for Emmett to escape VM's clutches. Though I'm not sure I will still root for Emmett now that he's going to let VM frame Nikki. Do you think we root for these characters because they're played by Ewan McGregor, a well-liked actor, or is there something beneath that that makes them relatable? I mean, Emmett's, for, from what we can tell, a good guy. Is Emmett the most innocent of the people that got sucked up into the underworld of Fargo that we've seen thus far? Wow. The most innocent? Because Jerry Lundegaard, he, 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 he's, he's greedy, and you can't <laughs> yeah, call yeah, him innocent. Yeah, yeah. Like, he didn't he mean anything for this to happen, but whatever. Uh-huh. Lester? Fuck no, Lester. Lester smashed his wife's head into the Those hammer. people all made things happen to them, whereas this is just happening to it Emmett, and he has like no control. It. And now, I... Here's the thing about although I don't know how you that it, that first million dollars right, but but that, he did take I, that he yeah I mean he went to a loan shark but that's like I but it wasn't like a loan shark like a fucking you know Godfather loan right. shark break your knees kind of I mean he shark. had a contract yeah. this was like you know probably it looked like official above the board like maybe yeah. it's subprime maybe it's going to be a predatory it'd be like the like the corporate right. equivalent of going to a check cashing place. Mm unsavory but not illegal right no i'm with you i mean it seems like his biggest crime is like he's just going past like there's he's on the highway to hell and there's all these exits and you know yeah maybe they're not well lit maybe there's not any food options or gas but he could have taken like the first time when vm vargas shows up he could have gone to the police mm-hmm. um you know, here when he kills his brother accidentally, he could have been like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to take responsibility for this and let the chips fall. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's going past every one of those because he's scared or he's afraid or he's been bamboozled. And collectively, he's he's, he's at this point, he's no longer an innocent lamb. I mean, it's, it's either him okay. or Ed. Yeah. Well, because mm. Ed's big, Ed, yeah. Ed's Ed's big thing is he loved his his wife. Ed, Ed, Ed. Uh, you have Blumquist, uh, Nazi poster boy. Fat Fat Damon. Meth Damon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. Because he didn't want any of that shit. No, he was pushed into it. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I um, think as soon as you He committed some heinous crimes. As soon as you ground up a, a, yeah. a human into to sausage, you, you, you've lost your innocence. That's on but, you, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and Ed was dumb. I mean, Emmett, he was, yeah. like, like Emmett said, like, I don't know anyone that doesn't like me. I believe that. I do, too. He yeah. seems like a hell of a guy, and part of it is Ewan McGregor is really likable, yeah. and that's why you cast a guy like Ewan McGregor, because he's got a lot of natural charisma and likability, and he's got a lot of acting. He can play both. He can play the asshole loser, and he can play, you know, he's got the train spotting Ewan McGregor, and he's got the, you know, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi Ewan McGregor. He's got a lot of McGregors up those sleeves, and he's bringing them both to this <laughs> he party. Does. <laughs> he does. But, yeah, I think that's why, you know, we identify with him, because he's he is a good guy at his core. 
Right. He's just in over his head. I mean, he's kind of like the embodiment of what we think of the American dream. He's a guy who, yeah. like, you know, wasn't super rich and he's built this modest empire and he's done everything right and he's kept his friends close and he's got a beautiful family and a nice, like, right? I mean, yeah. that's what we all want to be. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, I would say there, Matt. Aaron T, I was wondering about Emmett's motive to give Ray the stamp. He says he's giving in or giving up, but I think there's more. He could be coming from a bad place and is essentially pulling the same stunt from their youth, which is to say he's giving Ray the stamp because he knows he's about to make a ton of money with Varga and he just wants Ray <laughs> off his back. Or Emmett could be coming from a good place and he wants to protect Ray because of the impending shitstorm with the police and the illegal activity he will partake in with Varga. Giving Ray the stamp he hoped would get Ray to leave him alone and squash the beef. I tend to think it's the latter, but let me know what you think. Maybe I'm way off base, but I don't remember... I don't remember the motive of Emmett being, uh, when they were kids, ha-ha, I'm going to fuck you by giving you this Corvette and taking the stamp collection. Well, I, I read it that as is what Ray kids surmised. think a Corvette is cool and a stamp collection is dumb, and Ray got what he wanted at that time. Well, but, but And it turned out to be the wrong decision. There's shades but, of that, because every, every big brother has played the trick of, like, oh, do you want that little tiny dime or this big shiny nickel? Sure, sure. You know, cause but but I never read that into Emmett's motivations. Like, he never came across as that kind of guy to me. I think in the fullness and broadness of uh, our our experience with these brothers that I agree, but I also think that... Another way to interpret that is that maybe he did take advantage of his youth and inexperience and impetuousness to 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 take the more valuable thing for himself and set up his life in such a way that cuz you know Emmett started off with a lot of money and he's turned it into a parking lot that business that he almost lost. So let's not suck his dick too hard, right? Okay. So yeah. I can see him like, oh, you know, once he's got established in his life, be like, well, you know, Ray, you're just kind of a loser. And then it's kind of like the McGill brothers on Better Call Saul, where how much of Ray's current circumstances because of the inferior inferiority complex that existed and that the older brother instilled upon him and how much of it is he was just a born loser. I think that's a fair and open question. We don't, one and, that we I don't, don't have any insight And I, into. I think it's absent of flashback at this point, we'll never be able to know. Because Ray yeah. is dead now. So, I, I mean, interpreting the facts as I saw them on screen, I just don't get that Emmett's that kind of guy. Here's what I think happened. Psy and Varga bickering. You see that Emmett got this dreamy kind of far-off look and the, the voices of his brothers kind of... I feel like them bickering hmm. triggered his memories of him and his brothers squabbling for power in the family and he started feeling bad. I don't I don't feel like, hey, I'm about to be a billionaire, and the last thing I want is my brother coming for a piece of it, so I'm going to give him the stamp, because that, that wouldn't work. Like, oh, you give me the one fucking <laughs> right, stamp, right. and now you're a billionaire. This is the Corvette think, all over again, yeah, you exactly, fuck. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I traded my birthright all over again. Like, I, I, <laughs> right. I, I felt more like this thing is reminding me of the situation with my, my brother, Deep down, I don't. I, I feel like this Varga guy would eliminate. A, I, do you think that that came into his his decalculus that, that he was afraid that this Varga guy is the type of guy who'll liquidate you if you if you cause too much trouble and Ray is causing too much trouble. So it's like he's trying to protect him by because the other thing is they, getting him off the off the radar. Yeah, because later when when Gloria is hmm. interrogating them. He seems shocked to be like, oh, my God, my brother was trying to rob me. Well, you knew that your brother was trying to rob you. 
You didn't know that he sent one of his parolees. Uh, uh, I thought that they were going to make it more like your brother hired a guy who ki- to kill you. Right. That shocked me that he didn't say that instead of Rob. Right. Right. This wasn't because because it's a burglary gone wrong. Not that like your brother sent the hitman to kill you and he just got the wrong guy by luck. Yeah. I kind of was shocked. Yeah, I'm with you. I was surprised it didn't go for that angle, but. I don't know. It just it does. Yeah, you're you're right. It doesn't seem like with what we know that Emmett's the kind of guy that would do that to his brother just for the the the, the screw him out of the impending fortune he's about to get. I really did think he wanted to bury the hatchet so he doesn't cause problems. Yeah, it almost felt like he was just preoccupied with the problems with his brother at this point. Yeah, and that he wanted to try and make things right. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> Maybe I don't have uh, the hate in my heart that Emmett does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is like they also don't play him as a really hateful guy. They don't, no. I mean, you know, them trading F-bombs. Because like, that's the thing. Like, I, I, You can get pushed even yeah, if you're a nice person. Yeah, when your wife has is lo- is left you for and you've done nothing just because your idiot brother <laughs> right. with a shitty Corvette's done this? Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't blame him for that. I do wonder, because he does have that little bit of a Phantom of the Opera kind of retreating in this grandiose sadness. Like, now that he's killed his brother, uh, presumably he's going off to his dinner with Sai. What's that going to be like? And and the storage queen, right? Goldfarb? Oh, right. I think is what the meeting is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's going to be a fiasco, man. Yeah. Emmett's mind won't be on the conversation. No. I'll predict that. It's going to be like, you imagine the story. And, and do you think it's going to be another ha ha? They're playing hard to get. Because last time, oh, I think Cy was on his game, then his champagne bottle cork. Yeah. The champagne corks like instantly threw him off. Emmett's going to be a fucking basket case. <laughs> yes, this could be great. And the storage queen's going to be like, you guys, he's playing hard to get. I yeah. don't know. I mean, this uh, could start up a new war, you know? Uh, I, new just, I just can't war. see how Emmett sells this company underneath. Varga's nose and transfers all this right. bullshit to the storage queen. <laughs> I just I don't see it happening. Um, all right, I honestly I I I don't I don't we are like four episodes away from the for being over. I don't see the end game. Yeah, where does the storage queen fit in? You think? I don't know. It seems like she's just a a dead end. Now there was a critic that tried to, you know, we talked about that Mike Yakin Yakanama. You know the, the in the first Fargo movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the, mm-hmm. That um, uh, the, the, the shit. What's her name? Marge. Marge yeah. who visits her, you know, high school friend, and how that's like. You know, he's like they're they're like saying that like you know Fargo has an unlimited license to throw in irrelevant de- details because it sells the true story. Like in real life, not everything leads to something. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a horseshit, shallow analysis of Far- the Mike seen in Fargo because yes it didn't go anywhere with the plot but it did well and that's not even true because as you pointed out it did give Marge the idea to recontextualize her previous from a guy who's just lying and not being straight with her to recontextualize her conversation with Jerry but also just emotionally the the uh, it, it fit in with Fargo yeah so I don't think that that scene gives Noah Hawley the license to just throw in any relevant irrelevant bullshit that he wants it has to either fit plot wise or thematically and the storage queen like i said like there's no way why why would vargo allow another person to be put in uh, into his plot yeah i can't i can't see that i mean i think that's what sai wants but there's just no way like maybe she just gets murdered she might 
She might be murdered or it might start a feud between the two, you know, the up and coming parking lot company and well, cause it now get her murdered too, because Varga's it not will, gonna allow yeah. a souffle to collapse. And that's the thing, like she was so bellicose. And wait, so, wait, wait, like, wait, wait. You don't okay. want a gold farb as an enemy that I feel like that's kind of the direction it's going. So she's got a ton of money, right, from the storage yeah. stuff. What if she becomes one of the financiers? Um, I don't think like she's got they, that kind of money. They sell off the parking lot stuff to her, and they become the bank that Varga wants to become. I, I mean, I don't think I mean, she has like $50 billion or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It seems like it's too 50 small. Million? It seems like it's – because I I, I kind of think that $50 million is going to be too rich for her blood. You think so? Like I wonder if that's what Emmett will say. Like, look, we got a plan right now to expand to 16 – you can't afford us, which probably would trigger her – Right into the competition. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there she's just going towards a bad end. I think I think you're right. Yeah, and that might just be that. Just might be yet another shocking to see President uh, Rosalind strung up in a storage bu- <laughs> building, uh, or Yuri falling with her wolf mask or some shit like that. But yeah, I, I don't see how she or, fits uh, in. the the grocery king of last season. Yeah, getting, yeah, getting murdered in a shower. <laughs> right, right. Isn't yeah. that where it happens? No, he doesn't get he doesn't murdered. He doesn't get murdered. It just Lauren plumbed his right. house with blood. With blood. <laughs> the blood of all the fish he collected off the road, I assume. <laughs> no, that's, I that's, a, that's a fucking crate. That, that, there's another thing that kind of went nowhere. Yeah, she doesn't have to die. She could be covered mm-hmm. in blood in her shower. Yeah. But something bad's going to happen. She's not going to buy Stussy Brothers out. He dies eventually, right? I don't think he does. I can't remember. Shit. I think Lauren just extorts him for money and... And his 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 boy dies in the fishnado. <laughs> Jesus! And yeah, then I money gets buried somewhere. Yep. Yeah, I just it's it's the other thing is like the other thing about this Fargo business is that you know there's all this mythology around the briefcase and the money. Yeah, and the money is that million. And was oh, how much money was it? Was a hundred thousand or was it a million? In the case, yeah. I want to say it's a million, but I'm not sure. Because that's the number that was thrown about as far as the seed money. I, and, and I know that – I thought I read an interview where, where Holly had at least a passing interest to, like, tie – like, everything that ties these seasons together is going to be the bag of money. And I might have got jettisoned when he went back to season two, which by, you, you can't have any connection to the money. Right. Um, but I wonder with that million dollars being floated around if that's going to be significant too. Could be, but it's fun. Like I, I just feel like these last three episodes have really been incredible. Um, and that's the biggest question in my mind is like, why is such a slow start to the season? Yeah. Um, um, I'm, I'm really wondering if that, if that useless episode, that episode three is going to ever, if that, if that useless box is ever going to come in handy for Gloria, because she's got that in her police cruiser. Right. Um, but the, or, or if any of that is going to come back around. Maybe she'll use it as a distraction for Varga. Maybe it was supposed to be a hint that, that, that her father's death wasn't what it's... It was supposed to be one of those early hints that, that uh, Maurice wasn't the true killer. Hmm. Could be. Anyway, know. that's all I got. Fargo at baldmove.com. If you'd like to send us more uh, feedback, you can also get on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, we got tons of stuff going on uh, at baldmove.com, as we previously mentioned. You can also follow us uh, on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com slash baldmove, Twitter at baldmove, Instagram at baldmove. Uh, if you want to know the absolute second that any of our stuff drops or any news or announcements that we have. Uh, but that's all we got. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. 
so I've been watching a lot of Hulu because Hulu's got The Handmaid's Tale. And Hulu has some crazy-ass commercials. I've seen this thing about 16 times in the last three weeks. This okay. is for a drug called Movantic. All right. And I want to analyze all the fucked-up things that's wrong about it. Hi, I'm Frank. I take Movantic for OIC. Opioid-induced constipation. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's pause it. All there. right. This is good. This what is, really... is one of the biggest problems in America? Opioid abuse. And and why do you think, what is the contributing factors of this epidemic of heroin and opioids? Uh, it's certainly the lack of poops. <laughs> the overprescribing of these drugs? Or, or I, I mean, it's, well, I mean, maybe people take them to become constipated. That's why maybe I do. They're... That's why I abuse opioids, because I want firm poops. Yeah. But but what what is st striking about this is this is a commercial for people whose doctors have essentially put them on opioids forever to the point that their shits are granite now yeah so we're going to treat the side effect of something we prescribed you with another drug mm -hmm. let's, let's 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 continue let's continue I had a bad back injury my doctor prescribed opioids which helped with the chronic pain but backed me up big time <laughs> big time now the other thing is observe that he's not talking to us he's talking to someone off the screen because yeah, that's going to be that's going to be that's going to be super crucial I like to imagine on. he's talking to the foreman of of this crew. This looks, yeah. He's telling he's, he's telling his other buddy, to, <laughs> like why he was late. The, the buddy work. that he's selling opioids to, he's explaining, <laughs> right. "Hey, you need to go to see your doctor about this. I can't hook you up with Movantic." Uh, the other thing is, this looks so much like a Saturday Night Live, yeah. commercial, down to the fact that this guy is a dead ringer for Will Forte. Huh. Uh, anyway, tried prunes, laxatives, still constipated. And, and and he's he's trying prunes and laxatives as he's heading towards the big orange, so, uh, so uh, 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 porta pot. Right now, surely he's not tried all the laxatives because he's about to tell us about a laxative that will help with his firm poops. Right? Well, this has just been invented by science, and you should ask your doctor about it. <laughs> okay. All right. So now he's 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 going to his doctor, who looks like um, Gretchen from Breaking Bad. Okay, a little bit. Maybe mixed with uh, Dr. Quinn. Okay, medicine, medicine woman. woman that's, yeah. that's appropriate, because she's uh -huh. going to help him with his poops. <laughs> right. Had to talk to my doctor. She said, how long have you been holding this in? <laughs> Forever. <laughs> oh, God, this guy. He said, how long have you been holding this in? And he breaks the fourth wall, fixes us with this sheepish grin, and laughs right into the camera. That was my movie. That, that's moment. a knowing laugh. But He's I, laughing with us, not at us. This has become a thing in our household. <laughs> this is our Movantic moment. Doctor told me that Movantic is specifically designed for OIC and can help you go more often. Don't take Movantic if you have a bowel blockage or a history of them. Movantic may cause serious. Wait, side doesn't effects, he have a bowel blockage? And a history of them. How the fuck are you supposed to tell the difference about like like constipation and a bowel blockage? Yeah. I guess you go to your doctor who prescribed you the opioids and say, yeah. hey, I can't shit, doc. Yeah, uh, I, I want to try Movantic, but maybe check me out for this blockage thing. Because yeah. I'm, I'm just all blocked up. I've been holding this in for a long time. Uh-huh. Wait, opioid. Okay, those are withdrawals. I thought maybe that was a symptom of blockages. All right, all right. But it's not. Okay. Symptoms of opioid withdrawal, severe stomach pain and or diarrhea, and tears in the stomach or intestine. Tell your doctor about any side effects and about medicines you take. Movantic may interact with them, causing side effects. Why like hold it opioids. In? Have your Movantic moment. Talk to your doctor about it. And they're just this. Have your Movantic the, It's all moment. Mr. Robot framing at the end where he's at the extreme far side of the left talking off to the left. Uh-huh. 
as if he's looking back toward the past regretfully. I, I just, I, I'm just amazed every single time this comes on. 